Hi, welcome to Exploring Illusion of Free Will. My name is George Ortega, and this is episode number 151, The Free Will Illusion, colon, Documentaries and Fictionalizations. Okay, and this episode is going to be about what has to happen, what, what has happened to get this issue of free will into the mainstream, into the public eye as it has gotten over the last several years, and what is needed to kind of like then take it the next step so that eventually, you know, hopefully sometime soon, you know, within several years or a decade or whatever, you know, that civilization, basically our science and, and you know, our educational systems and our societies accept, you know, that that, you know, we don't have a free will, and then by, by that understanding we can help uh, create a better world. Okay, um, let's see, we're, we're taping this on December 26, 2013, and, you know, I, I am, I'm thinking of wrapping up this show, because like, you know, as I'll, I'll, as I'll explain in this show, you know, I've been doing this for like three years now, and it's gotten to a point where, you know, I've done pretty much as much as I can do with the show, I mean, I may pursue this um, through different avenues, but this show is going to be about, like, you know, how it's gotten to this point, at least, you know, my efforts, which I think are, are pretty instrumental, I'm not sure, you know, what would have happened without what I did in the past, and then, then what's needed to take the, the steps um, beyond. Okay, um, ordinarily I go through a definition of free will and refutation, I might as well do that quickly. You know, the idea is we, we think we have a free will, we believe we have a free will, meaning that we, we think that we can do whatever we want free of factors or principles or causes or forces that are not in our control. Okay, so the reason we don't have free will, very briefly, is because of this process of causality, cause and effect. Everything happens by this process of cause and effect. That means that everything we do has a cause, and that cause has a cause, because everything has a cause, and the cause of that cause has a cause, and you have this ensuing causal regression, this chain of cause and effect that stretches back to before we're born, before planet was created, and that's why things way before we're born, you know, all the way spanning back to the Big Bang, in a cause and effect manner, basically compel, you know, everything that's happening today, everything that's happening, going to be happening into the future. So, so basically that's why we wouldn't have free will. Um, all right, and the, the importance of this, again, this is very much what this show will be about, well... In, in a sense, it's, it's how, to, how to get it to the public so that we can um, reap um, the importance. It's that, like, to the extent that we believe in free will, we blame ourselves and each other. That creates a lot of animosity. That creates a lot of competition, a lot of hatred, vengeance, revenge, and all that stuff. It's just, like, unnecessary pain that if we overcame the illusion, we'd, we'd do without. All right, so, like, so basically it's 2013, and I would just want to go through a brief history of what I did, um, to to kind of like bring this into the public spotlight because like what happened was before I started working on it you know there it really wasn't you know there there were a few articles spaced like years apart you know they would come up in a few magazines whatever but there's nowhere near the attention to the topic there is now and um, so all right so basically all right what happened was like. In 2007, I started, like, um, attending this, there's a website called PalTalk, and a lot of, like, a lot of websites, you can text other people, you can communicate in real time, you know, these chat rooms, right? You know, you're talking, and it's in real time, you know? Uh, But this chat room actually would allow you to use your microphone 
and you know you'd queue up you know in a line and you would talk one at a time it'd allow us to address an entire group of people and then like you'd talk and then other people would grab the mic and talk and so it, it was like a real discussion real you know so anyway like 2007 I, I started using pal talk and i noticed in interestingly it was atheists in, in the atheist chat rooms because they had a lot of people and they tended to be kind of like scientific minded they you know i would like what i did is i constantly brought up the issue of free will um, because they were looking for reasons to bash religion. In other words, like, religion, you know, it's caused a lot of harm. It's caused a lot of good, but, you know, if you know what's happening in the Middle East, you also know that, you know, it's gotten to the point where there's so much hatred in religion. It's just, it's not, it's not right. It's just causing a lot of unnecessary pain. So anyway, so like, I would just kind of like, sometimes like these atheists would, would, um, would be blaming the Christians blaming the people who came up with religion. And this is just one way that I would introduce the topic. I said, fine, if you want to, you know, if you want to say that, that, you know, Jesus never existed, fine. There's evidence that he never existed. There's evidence that Moses never existed. These are stories. But, like, if you want to blame these priests for, like, coming up with an idea of hell and then scaring the hell out of people and stuff... You can't really blame them either because they don't have a free will. And so, like, to these atheists, it was kind of a new idea, but, but they eventually got it, okay? So, like, you know, in 2007, the atheists began to kind of talk about it, and then I'll explain how that, you know, really ramped it up um, a few years later. So then, all right, so then 2010 in April... Um, I wanted to create a buzz about this topic. I wanted to, you know, to reach a wide audience. Now, I know this, this show doesn't read, reach that much of an audience either here or on the Internet, but I knew that by listing a meetup, not even just having the, the, the events, um, but by listing the meetup in Manhattan, a meetup is like this uh, Internet site that... Basically, it organizes real-time events with real people, but the organization is all online. In other words, you join a group, and then they have events, and um, these events you're emailed about them, or you can look up you know, in their uh, website to see when they are and what they're about and all that. So you join groups, and then you get together you know, in person with, with the group members. So, all right, so April 2010. Now, here's the thing. So, like, you know, um, I could have based it here in White Plains, but, you know... Um, not a lot of people from New York City would look for a, a meetup in, in White Plains. You know, we've got a population of about 57,000. So, like, I, I decided to base it in Midtown Manhattan. It's based in the Sony building on Madison Avenue um, between 55th and 56th, you know, between Madison and 5th Avenue, right in the heart of Midtown, because it, there's a lot of people, you know, on the Internet who are part of meetup who live in, in, um, in, the, in New York City, Manhattan, but also in the New York metropolitan area. Now, here's the thing. Manhattan has about 1.5 million people. New York City, the five boroughs, you know, the Bronx, Brooklyn, Queens, and Long, um, Staten Island also, they have about 8 million, okay? But, like, I noticed from going to these meetups, because I'd gone to them before, you know, like philosophy meetups and stuff, I noticed that people from the tri-state area, the New York metropolitan area, attend these meetups also, you know, New Jersey, Connecticut. And like this whole New York metropolitan area, it's about 22 million people. So in other, in other words, like, so I created this meetup, you know, partly to get together with people on a monthly basis. We get together the first Saturday of each month to talk about it, but especially 
you know, as a very kind of like a powerful way to create a buzz about it. You know, people are surfing, you know, people like are, they, they want to like with this website, you can log in, whatever, and see, well, let's see what meetups are, are, um, are having an event in Manhattan during a certain day, let's say a Saturday, Sunday, right? So they scroll through and fine. They may not be a member of, of my meetup. It's called Exploring Illusion of Free Will. It started out as the predetermined will society, um, ex- busting the free will myth, whatever, and then I change it. So anyway, so like, you know, people may not join the group, but they'll see it. And, and when you see like, you know, exploring the illusion of free will or busting the free will myth, you know, for a lot of people, this, you know, I found this issue of free will is pretty important to them. So it creates, they start talking about it, and other people start talking about it. So anyway, you, I, I, I was, that's how I kind of like started to create a buzz about this. Okay, and, and because of that, it was 2010, then I noticed during th- 2010, there were about, let's say, half a dozen um, magazine articles. The, 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 um, the media began to cover it, okay, um, after April 2010, you know, when, uh, when the meetup um, began. And then, all right, so then, so then um, this show started, I started um, taping this show in November 2010, it, it premiered January 2011, so in 2011, you know, from, I mean, see, White Plains, I mean, it's, it, we're not a big community of 57,000, but I think some people who who are, you know, influential in Manhattan, they live here because this is a suburb. Some people don't like to live in the city, whatever. So anyway, we may have people who, who kind of like listen to the show here, whatever. But the other part is that like I started uploading the, the episodes to YouTube. So it got a bit more press. But anyway, because of the meetup and the show like in 2011, then you had more um, coverage, more media coverage. As a matter of fact, in 2011, um, I mean, because this, this, you know, again, when I, when I put these episodes on the Internet, people from all over the world watch them. So, like, in 2011, I think it was um, their April issue, um, the, the News Weekly, New Scientist, it's a British News Weekly, came out with the first cover story. I mean, it was, it was their, their, you know, their actual cover story about, you know, free will being an illusion. I think it was, like, free will, the illusion we can't live without. I think that was the title. So like, so all right, so like that along with other articles. And then what happened um, was as a result of the meetup, one of the, um, one of the members, this guy, Nell, he lives in Manhattan on, you know, um, Midtown. So we decided to produce a second show that we started out live. Now we do a live episode every month or so, but when, when it's not live, we, we present this episode. So we, I'm going on, I shouldn't go on this long with this, but that's all right. So anyway, so like, um, we start doing this, this live call-in TV show in Manhattan. And again, like the, 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 the strategy behind that was the same as the strategy behind the meetup. In other words, when you're in Time Warner, you have this cable TV guide around like our show is 11 o'clock on Wednesdays and you're scrolling to see the shows, our show would be there. It would say no free will, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever we were calling ourselves at the time. So again, this, this created more of a buzz. And then by, by 2012, because of this show and the Manhattan show and the meetup and the, the videos on, on um, YouTube, enough of a buzz had been created that the, the magazine, the American magazine, American Scientist, uh, Scientific American, I'm sorry, Mind, not the Scientific American magazine itself, but the one that they um, devote to brain size and roll, it's called Scientific American Mind, it 
ran um, its first ever cover story, you know, just basically asserting the free will is an illusion. Okay? Um, so, so and, and along with that, they're like, you know, between, I think, 2010 and 2013, there were about three dozen articles in, in newspapers like the New York Times, USA Today, magazines like Time Magazine, um, the Huffington Post, you know, just basically, you know, that had never happened before, okay? And the other thing that happened is, like, there's this um, neurologist, uh, Sam Harris, who's a three-time best-selling New York Times author, okay? He gets a huge audience. Uh, his first book was some time ago, was End of Faith. He's basically critical of religion for, for some good reasons. Anyway, so, like, in 2012, he wrote a, a very brief book, but, it, you know, that Simon & Schuster published it. It's called Free Will, and it basically expa- explains why free will is an illusion. All right, so, so the idea is that, like, you know, through all these efforts, the buzz was created. The, the, the understanding that free will is an illusion is out there, and it's it's not like it's not going to go away when 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 an idea reaches a certain point. It's like like what Malcolm Gladwell explained in the Tipping Point. You know, it's just a matter of time before it just gets amplified more. So this show, you know, finally as I get to it, is about what the next point step is. Because here's what happened: um, mid 2012, we had the 2012 re-election, the presidential re-election. What I noticed is like mid 2012. Major media stopped covering this issue, and so I'm trying to wonder why did that happen. I think it's pretty clear. This is like this kind. This issue is, is something that people don't understand very well. People misunderstand greatly, and a lot of a lot of us, you know, without really understanding it well, it's kind of like not a p- very pleasant acknowledgement to to realize we don't have free will. All right, so like so the media coverage kind of like stopped at that point. There's still you know a lot of bloggers, a lot of videos on YouTube, whatever explaining why we wouldn't have a free will. But so, so what's the next step? Okay? The next step is, um, is to basically amplify the message that, that I started the, the first 100 episodes of this show with. Basically, the, the intro to this show contained um, a quote by a, an American philosopher. His name is John Searle. Okay? And he's not just a philosopher. He's like among philosophers born after 1900, he's ranked number 13, you know, in, in terms of how many times he's been cited by other philosophers. So he's a pretty eminent philosopher. And he was asked by this British psychologist for a book that was published in 2005, uh, Susan Blackmore. Uh, she asked him, you know, if free will were acknowledged by our world to be an illusion, what would this mean, right? And he said to her, I'm going to quote as directly as I can, he said, that would be a bigger revolution in our thinking than Einstein or Copernicus or Galileo or Newton or Darwin. It would alter our whole conception of our relation with the universe. Okay, end quote. And, and so that's what Searle said. And that's how big this is. This, this is bigger than Einstein's discoveries. This is bigger than Freud's discoveries. This is bigger than, you know, any of those major discoveries. Because to a great extent, because a lot of times these discoveries um, teach us something. They teach us for example, that, that we revolve around the sun and not vice versa. But yeah, fine, what are you going to do with that knowledge? I mean, it's nice to know, I mean, you know, or they teach us, you know, the, uh, whatever. So like, so anyway, so, so this is the context within 
what what I think will have to happen next. What, you know, the next steps for this. Um, and the idea behind this is, like, for example, like, for somebody who wants to, like, have, let's say, scientific recognition, acknowledgement for doing something great. For example, Freud. Freud, I don't know if he received a, a Nobel Prize or whatever, but he's basically credited as a great scientist, primarily for popularizing and explaining the importance of the unconscious. He didn't discover the unconscious. The unconscious was understood before him, but he, he, he made the world aware of the importance of the unconscious. And that led, to, that led to psychoanalysis, which led to psychotherapy, which led to you know, a lot of great progress in, in alleviating human, human suffering that, that takes place. Because, like, because you know, before that, I don't know, <laughs> before we had an understanding of the workings of the unconscious, you know, they, they couldn't understand how to deal with things. But anyway, so the idea is like, so sometimes in science, the acknowledgement and the credit for certain things doesn't go to the discoverer, it goes to the popularizer. The same thing happened with Darwin. Darwin wasn't the first person to come up with evolution, okay, with the, the, the concept of evolution. It might actually go back to the Greeks. I, I may be wrong about this, but, but he certainly wasn't the first. But he, he came up with the, the convincing um, demonstration of it. His, his book... Um, well, the origin on the origin of human species, I think. I don't know. His, his, his first book just like explained it so well that it, it was no longer in doubt. So anyway, we're at a point in this free will question, you know, in, in this explaining why free will is doesn't exist. It's it's a myth, and why understanding this matters to the world. We're at the point where you know it needs to be amplified to the world. So how do you do this? Okay, so like the first way to do this. And is um, is through a major motion picture, you know, a documentary. In other words, like, you know, if um, if and actually this is happening already because what I did um, a couple of months ago, I, I emailed a lot of documentary producers throughout the world with this idea, and a few returned my email. And, and from that, those exchanges, I, I found out actually that an internationally renowned producer, I believe, documentary producer, is already working on this project. Okay, now I, um, I don't know how, how soon it'll be in public, but the idea is all right, so one, one documentary presenting this is already out there. And see, with some ideas, some ideas like, you know, you present one documentary and, you know, it receives a, a mass, let's say, international audience, and then, then it's done, right? There's not much to say. Like with climate change, perhaps, I was like that, you know, with Gore's Inconvenient Truth. But this is the kind of a documentary. I don't, you know, this is the kind of a theme, the kind of idea that um, you could conceivably, you know, in other words, if you see one documentary about it, you know, there's going to be a lot of questions that arise, a lot of arguments to it that will arise from from fundamentalist religious people, from people who are just uncomfortable with the idea. So this this theme, this particular um, topic, is is perfect for for sequels for for two and three and four documentaries further explaining why we don't have a free will why it's important and and the other the other part of this is like one way to explain um for example people are are going to be afraid of what the world will look like when nobody any longer believes in free will so like what, what is also needed that could be part of, let's say, a docudrama, it could like 
be part documentary, part dramatic. Um, and this, again, major release um, documentaries. Basically, they could create scenarios where it, they would be fictionalized accounts of how people would interact with each other under the free will illusion as opposed to believing that understanding the free will uh, doesn't exist. So in other words, like somebody does something wrong and, um, and actually this could be a movie that, you know, just everybody knows how we re- react under the free will illusion. You know, we blame people or whatever. So this, this movie or this docudrama could depict the world where everyone just understands that free will is an illusion and just treats others and themselves so much more compassionately, so much more caringly and intelligently, intelligently um, with, you know, because of that knowledge. Okay. Um, another venue for, um, for amplifying this, you know, as, as, cause again, like the reason I, you know, I may do a few more shows that I, I may continue, but I don't think so. I want to, I want to get back to the happiness stuff, but like this may take a decade or two to really, um, be popularized. I mean, when Darwin came up with evolution, it didn't, it wasn't accepted overnight. So granted, this may take years, but what I'm saying is like a major theatrical release motion picture documentary would be an amazing way to, to speed that up, you know, for the benefit of everyone. But again, um, another thing is like, if you, if, if, um, novelists, people who are really good creating stories and you know, really pulling people in with emotional themes and just, you know, who know how to tell a story and all. This would be a perfect theme for that. It would be kind of like a science fiction um, movie, except like science fiction is ordinarily about like scientific developments that, that don't exist, right? This would be about a scientific understanding that doesn't exist, that requires no technology. You know, in other words, we could do this tomorrow if we wanted to, <laughs> if we were faded. But, but so, yeah, to have somebody come up with, um, I mean, I suppose a novel also would be great, if, if, you know, because a lot of people read and don't go um, see movies. So, like, somebody would write a fictionalized account of a world operating much more smoothly, much more kindly, you know, overcoming this illusion of free will, and then, you know, having a, a theatrical release movie depicting that same theme. That would be another really, really great way to take this the next step forward. That's the thing, you know, like, uh, it's gotten to a point where it's out there, people don't like it, people don't really understand it, so it needs to be taken to the next step of explaining it further in a way that people will appreciate and people will be able to use both in their personal lives, you know, with um, their everyday lives, and um, and perhaps, you know, ideally sociologically. In other words, like, for example, with with our prison system. You know, there are a lot of people in prisons for many, many years longer than they should be in prison for what they've done, especially a lot of drug offenses, whatever, you know, possession of, of like, for example, marijuana. Some people are in, in jail for years possessing marijuana. And a couple of states just actually legalized it recently, Colorado and Washington. So anyway, there's this... This punitive, very, you know, harsh sentencing of, of prisoners is, is, um, is a result of the free will illusion. And as I mentioned as a, in, on a previous show, history showed that when you lessen the penalties for certain kinds of crimes, crime actually goes down. You know, but, but anyway, so like sociologically in terms of our laws, you know, it would be good to kind of like understand our nature as it really is to help us, you know, um, govern our world most intelligently, more, most compassionately. Um, another way that this could be presented to mass audiences um, would be in the form of a play. And this could actually, again, be a, a play that's, uh, you know, be made into a movie. 
um, one way this could be done, there was a, um, there was a very famous um, lawyer, Clarence Darrow, who, um, who incidentally was the lawyer in this Scopes trial. Scopes was this trial where um, a teacher, a science teacher, was being prosecuted for teaching evolution to school kids. Okay, so they took him to court, and Clarence Darrow, this famous defense lawyer, defended him, and he won. He basically won. I mean, cause basically the guy was fined a dollar, but that was seen as a victory. And so, like, there was another um, famous trial where two very two two um, teenagers from very very rich families, Leopold and Loeb, were convicted of this heinous crime. It was like really, you know, these these they were very troubled kids that they decided to kill a classmate to see if they can get away with it. it it's you know it's sick beyond belief, right? But but anyway, Clarence Darrow, the the world wanted these kids put to death. Okay, there were it was because you know, and and he made the point that if if they were not rich kids, if they were just regular kids, it wouldn't have been as as I don't know whatever the reasons. The, the the world just clamored for the death of these kids. So like Clarence Darrow, his defense, um, he um, he basically explained, well, you know, these kids, they didn't form themselves. They didn't like you know, obviously. Kids don't go around doing that. You know, there was obviously something wrong with their minds, with their brains, with their upbringing. Something went wrong with them, right? And so, like, you know, it was like, it was a very dramatic defense. I, I read it recently. You know, it's on the inter- internet. Again, Leopold and Loeb. So it was a very, so this could be made into, like, a, a one-man play where he just, like, explains. And what happens is, like, fine. They gave him life imprisonment. They didn't let him go off completely but at least he won because everybody wanted that death penalty. Everybody saw. <clears throat> I think the judge had tears in his eyes when he said, you know, how convincing the, the Darrow was. So anyway, I'm running out of time. Um, the idea is like, yeah, it's time to like move this issue from like local TV and, and you know, internet, whatever, to major theatrical release documentaries. It's a, I think it would be a great way for some entrepreneur, some production company to make a lot of money. Um, speaking of money, um, in 2005, nine, I don't know, there's a, a movie called What the Bleep Do We Know that kind of dealt with themes like this. It was about quantum mechanics. It said some stuff that isn't accurate and it said some stuff that was. But anyway, that movie made about $15 million at the box office. So, like, you know, a documentary like this um, might take $5 million and it would, it would, I think, easily make $30, $45 million, you know, around the world. All right, so that would be a great way to, like, expand this knowledge and for whoever... Get in the position to make money from this, just like make money. And also, just again, <clears throat> according to this Searle statement, it's a great way to make history. I mean, you know, the person who creates this kind of documentary, who gets the, the world's attention on this, is is deserving of some, some major praise, you know, some acknowledgement for what he's done, you know, as a scientific achievement. Because again, like um, Darwin didn't discover evolution, he popularized it. Um, Freud didn't discover the unconscious, he popularizes. So whoever would create these documentaries, these plays, these books, whatever, would be popularizing an amazing truth. All right, thanks for watching, and I'll see you next week on Exploring Illusion of Free Will.